cosmetic surgery. It's one of the fastest growing and most innovative fields in medicine today. Doctors are constantly improving techniques and procedures to ensure the best possible results for their patients. On Cosmetic Surgery Today with Dr. Barry Allen Leica, you don't have to navigate this on your own. He'll guide you through what's new and what to look for, help set your expectations, and deliver everything you need to know in an easy-to-understand format, including how to market your business. Here's Dr. Leica. The reason why we do this show is to bring to you advice that you can get nowhere else. Things that that you may have heard of, but you know, a lot of the stuff out there is tainted. I never know what to look up on the web. I never know what's true on the web, even at my status. So it's much better to get this so much, uh, pardon this French, from the horse's mouth, because then they can tell you exactly what's going on and, and really tell you the things that are happening in the real world. Well, we're going back to a very, very common problem today, the problem of hair loss. You know, so many men have hair loss. In fact, every man is going to get some hair loss in their lifetime. And a huge number of women have hair loss as well. This is such a common problem, yet it's such a debilitating problem. People just hate having uh, thinning hair and a bald head. Now, I've got my good friend, Dr. Alan Bauman from uh Boca Raton, Florida. He's been on before, but you know, this man is one of the most knowledgeable people on hair loss on the planet. Hi, Alan. How are you today? Hey, Barry. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for inviting me on again. It's always a pleasure. You know, it just is is always a pleasure to have you. You bring enthusiasm to this topic. And so we're going to start first with men. What percentage of men get hair loss, Alan? Gosh, well, it can start any time after puberty. About 20% of men in their 20s, 30% of men in their 30s, 40% of men in their 40s, and it keeps going up from there. So over half the people, over half the men over age of 50 are going to have some visible signs of hair loss. And uh, for many, you know, they don't want it. They don't want to lose their hair. They want to keep looking young and feeling great. So what are the... Let's suppose a man has hair loss. Is it always due to the fact that he's got the genes that predispose it to him, or can he have other other types of hair loss as well? Well, there there are lots of types of hair loss, but the most common hair loss that we see, 98% of patients come through the clinic, men have hereditary male pattern hair loss. Um, Now, sometimes you get some outliers. I had an interesting case today, which was an unusual medical condition, that obliterates the hair follicles, and it mimics uh, what male pattern hair loss looks like sometimes. But most of the time, what we see in the clinic, 98% of patients are going to have that genetic tendency towards weak, miniaturized hair, and eventually some degree of baldness and, uh, and hair loss. Well, let's start at the beginning, Alan. Let's suppose a man is starting to lose his hair. Uh, what are the signs that he actually has male pattern alopecia? So typically it starts with a recession of the frontal hairline so that your forehead starts to get to be a five head. It gets, it gets bigger and receded in the sides and the temple areas. And you can start to lose some density and fullness and coverage in the crown area. So those are the two places that we typically would see male pattern hair loss start. And it can progress onward from there. As the hair follicles miniaturize and weaken over time, you're going to lose more and more density, lose more and more hair caliber, and you can lose coverage even over the entire top of the scalp. But, of course, it spares the hair follicles around the sides and the back. So you will typically always see that monk's ring 
of hair around the sides and the back. Yeah. Now, now some people say that hair loss is sexy. Yeah, for myself, I do not believe hair loss is sexy in any way. I think it's it's one of those symptoms of something that's making us look different and making us look not the way that we could be our healthiest. The good news is that these hairs are actually being miniaturized. They're not going away unless it's a disease process. They're actually there, and that's good news, is it not, Ellen? Oh, absolutely. So that what that what's happening is that you have time. If you take action early enough, for example, um, you can interrupt that miniaturization process and regrow those hairs thicker, fuller, and healthier. But uh, you know, once a follicle is dead and gone, then you know, then you're going to have to do something more aggressive to restore hair growth. And, and we'll in go areas. into that in just a few minutes for yeah. both men and women. But let's first start. Okay, a person started to lose hair. What are some things a person can do themselves to help that process? What can what can a person do without maybe seeing a doctor? Or are there any over the counter stuff that can be done? Or is there some things he can do to help with the with the process? Well, look, certainly there's some over-the-counter treatments that are FDA-approved. We know about minoxidil, we get the Rogaine and Regain and such. Um, there are over-the-counter and consumer low-level laser devices. But I will tell you, even though these things are FDA-approved and are proven to grow hair, sometimes patients can get into trouble because they don't necessarily know exactly how to use these treatments or even what to expect. Even if they're doing the treatments 100% correctly, they don't really know what to expect in terms of a result. So I think the, probably the most important thing for your listeners to understand is if they are experiencing some hair loss, they've got to seek some expert advice. They have to find a hair restoration physician. They have to find somebody who can measure and monitor their hair situation and really diagnose exactly what's going on. Now, the male pattern hair loss might be visible from across the room that they're having, but there may be areas of weak or miniaturized hair that are not yet dead and gone. There may be areas where too much density has already been lost and applying a topical treatment from over the counter or an at-home uh, consumer-grade laser is just not going to get the job done. Yeah, and I, I think that's what's in person. The first thing, and, and I don't want to belittle this, but I want to make sure that people understand it. The first thing for anybody who has a, a dermatological or skin condition, including hair loss, is they need a diagnosis. Without a diagnosis, I don't think they can treat anything properly. Uh, you know, the old line that if it looks like a dog and barks like a dog, it's a dog, that may be true. But in this situation, you've got to make sure that this is something that, that it is. As you said, you yourself had a condition where there was actually a scarring process going on in a patient. Now, here you, a world's expert, the person walks in, and you didn't know it just to look at it. It's true. I mean, I think that, uh, well, the gentleman had already been to a dermatologist locally, and the dermatologist said, oh, you've got, you know, male pattern hair loss, and this is the way it's going to be. Well, you know, it's not what he had. He had a completely different diagnosis. And even though from across the room it kind of looked like male pattern, upon close inspection, it was a totally different type of scarring alopecia um, that was a mimicker. It looked like male pattern hair loss, but it wasn't. So tell me, but, uh, what are the things, the tests that can be done to help to figure out what the what the hair loss is and the type that it is? Uh, break it down simply, so, Alan, because we have a lot of listeners out there that might get overpowered with our highfalutin language. Yeah, for sure. So what we do in the clinic is the first thing we do is get an, a, a detailed evaluation of what's going on with the patient. You know how 
quickly did this hair loss occur? Are there risk factors, medical factors like um, a special kind of diet or some kind of illness that's been going on, uh, things that would affect the metabolism of the body, uh, medications a patient may be taking? You know, we want to try to figure out a whole picture. Is this patient generally healthy or are they not? Are they, are they, are they having some risks that might contribute to the hair loss? And then what does the hair loss look like? Is it, is it a typical recession of the hairline, balding in the crown, sparing of the hair around the sides and the back? If, that's, if it looks like male pattern hair loss, we're going to start to do some measurements with a hair check trichometer. And this is a bundle measurement tool that we essentially use to figure out how much hair mass, which is a combination of the numbers of hairs and how thick they are, all in one fell swoop in different areas of the scalp. So we compare more permanent zones, which are the, the part that if you lay back on a pillow, that's what you'll hit for the pillow first, the permanent zone versus the crown area or the frontal or temples. And so and these measurements are going to be very, very important over time because we not only establish a baseline of where they are today, but we'll be able to track their response to different treatments, whatever they might choose. And then probably the second most important thing that we'll do in the office is look at their scalp under a microscope. And today, you don't need a big uh, computerized, uh, you know, PC-based microscope to look at the scalp. We have iPhone appendages, which enable us to look directly at the scalp under high power magnification and really determine what's the density, how many hairs are there? Are they good-looking hairs? Are they thick and healthy? Is it a forest of oak or is it a forest of birch? Or are they just little blades of grass left behind, you know? And that will help us determine Again, how progressed the hair loss is in these areas, and we can help predict their response to various treatments. Yeah, that's important. So I, I think that's that's very important is first look at the hairs, look at the pattern, look at the diet, look at the things that may be contributing to the hair loss, look at other things like thyroid condition, look at things sure. like that other people don't look at, like maybe a person's on a low-protein diet and hasn't been feeding their hairs enough for hairs actually to grow. Very important to get the right diagnosis here. Otherwise, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree, so to speak. And different aged people are going to have different risks. You know, if you have a gentleman who's in the older years and he's sitting at home eating a diet of tea and toast and wondering why his hair's not growing well, you know, uh, that could be an issue. And then, you know, even younger men don't realize that some of the supplements they're taking from the, you know, for working out performance and sports performance and things like that could really be hurting their hair. Uh, creatine is a great example of guys, and you know, guys in their 20s and 30s are out in the gym working out, lifting weights, you know, they're on the soccer, baseball, football team, what have you, and they're, they're popping the creatine pills to get uh, more of a pump or to get more uh, athletic uh, prowess, let's say. And that's been shown to knock the hair out. I mean, that's been shown to really aggressively miniaturize hair follicles. Yes, that's There's right. A lot of different and another thing that, thing that I, I think people don't realize is even steroids that people can be on to augment their body because cause some hair loss as well. There's a huge movement now um, in, in regenerative medicine and, and anti-aging to do hormone replacement therapy. And both men and women can be on testosterone which can be converted in the body into dihydrotestosterone, which we know in men is the trigger for male pattern hair loss. So there's certainly a big risk factor there. If they're taking steroids, uh, illicit steroids, or if they're just under physician's care doing hormone replacement therapy, that can definitely throw off hair follicle cycling. I mean, look, even, uh, even poor sleep-wake cycles, you know, poor sleep habits 
can uh, can cause excessive shedding, for sure. Okay. Well, the, I'm going to just take a station re-identification here, and then we'll mm. get a little bit into another problem. This is Dr. Barry Leica, host of Inside Cosmetic Surgery Today. I'm talking with Dr. Alan Bowman from Boca Raton, Florida, talking on a very common problem, hair loss in men and women. So we first covered a little bit about men, Alan. Let's talk about women now. What percentage of women have hair loss? So it can vary by age, and what we find is that 50% of women who are age 50 and older are going to have some visible signs of hair loss. So they're going to feel either decreased volume, maybe less coverage in the scalp. Um, but for women, it can happen anytime after puberty, just like in men. But it's typically more subtle. It's not something that you can easily recognize from across the room in most cases. Female pattern hair loss looks different. Now, is there always a strong familial incidence to this? Well, again, just like in men, there is a strong genetic tendency. Um, and I'll, but women's hair is a little bit more sensitive to other things, illnesses, hormone imbalance, uh, you know, uh, the sleep-wake cycle, as I mentioned before, in, in men, um, stress and things such as that uh, can all influence women's hair, um, even to a greater extent than in men. But there is always, there is you know, very often a, a strong genetic tendency. Now, there's plenty of uh, other non-genetic forms of hair loss that we can often see, uh, autoimmune conditions and things such as that. So, you know, we really want to get the women in for a diagnosis for sure, and look for these other, whether it be medical abnormalities or other issues that could be contributing to their hair situation, whether it's excessive shedding or a, recede, a little bit of a receding hairline, but usually it's it's a loss of volume. They feel their ponytail is getting uh, thinner, like they can wrap their wrap their elastic band around the ponytail a little bit more times than they used to, and uh, and it's also changing their hairstyle. They can't do the same styles that they had when they were younger. So again, Alan, what do you look for in a woman? What sort of pattern do you look for in order to cinch the diagnosis? And what are some of the simple tests you do? Yeah, so female hair loss, uh, again, we're going to look at the scalp, see what, what period of, ask them what period of time this hair loss has occurred. Female pattern hair loss usually does not recede the hairline. It usually is a loss of density and caliber almost diffusely through the top part of the scalp, but it does spare the, the hair around the back of the scalp and sometimes around the sides, also unaffected. But we are going to take a detailed medical history. We might do blood tests. If we're really not sure what's going on at the level of the scalp, we may suggest a biopsy to see what's going on. But most of the time, our diagnosis in the clinic is going to be made by the history and physical exam. So patients know for sure that when they come into my office, it's not an automatic biopsy procedure like you sometimes see in a dermatology office. Um, we're going to go through an hour-long investigation, <laughs> literally, and to see exactly what's happening with their health status and uh, and try to get to the bottom of their situation and identify these risks. You know, medications okay. can be a very, very strong, um, uh, a, a very strong uh, trigger for male pa for female pattern hair loss. Okay, so now, Alan, um, let's yeah, let's get sure. to the point. You now yeah. have determined in your male and your female that you have hair loss that's due to what we know as androchronogeneic alopecia or, or male pattern or female pattern alopecia. What do we do now? What's your first steps in treating this? So, well, the first thing we like to do, and especially in men, is 
try to ask the patient, are they, do they know about the different treatments that are available? So we would go through treatments like the oral therapies. For example, finasteride in men is the first line of approach. In women, it might be a topical medication or a laser-like device. These are the basics. Um, but many men uh, are, at this point, understanding that even though finasteride has a strong influence on preserving and protecting and enhancing their own hair, they may want to try something that's non-pharmaceutical or shy away from the typical FDA-approved oral treatments. So we have, to, we have to go through the whole gamut of the variety of therapies that we have in our arsenal, uh, especially if they want to stay away from pharmaceutical treatments, as many do today. But typically, if, it's an, if we know it's androgenetic alopecia, finasteride is the medication, or Propecia, which decreases the DHT, and that works pretty darn good. 90% of the time, we get a positive influence on the hair follicles, meaning patients will look the same or better in the long run if they're men. In women, if we're going to use a topical medication, we would typically prescribe a compounded version of minoxidil opposed to, as opposed to the Rogaine that you'd see over the counter, which is a little greasy and gooey and not all that strong. Compounded medications are going to be a little bit stronger, give a little bit more oomph to the process, and be a lot easier to use. Now, unlike the oral medication, which is just once a day, topical medications have to be used twice a day to be truly effective. And the topical medications can be used in both men and women, very much like laser light therapy. And we have laser devices now which are, uh, you can take them home. They don't have to come to the clinic. No longer are patients streaming into Bauman Medical for laser light treatments uh, three times a week. They're going home with a laser cap device and enables them to get the laser at home 30 minutes every other day to get the best results. Um, but, again, if you want to stay away from uh, uh, chemical therapies, then you're looking at laser and maybe even PRP treatments. PRP, great example of a, of a, of a new modality that's used in uh, regenerative medicine and uh, uh, harvesting and, and exploiting the platelets, which are for tissue regeneration. Now mainly when you're talking about laser, are you about. talking about one of these red lasers that are found in some of these cap devices that exist? Well, yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, laser therapy for hair regrowth is in the red wavelength, so you're exactly right. Um, it's visible, red light, but we're talking about laser diodes, not LEDs, which give the best results. And uh, the, there are laser caps. These are devices that are head-worn. They're hands-free, cordless, and rechargeable. And they're quite powerful, actually. They're, they're more effective and, and, uh, and actually easier to use than the, the devices that we used to have in the clinic. Are there any better devices in this regard? Because I, I look at some of these devices and I get lost. I mean, they're all over mm. the place. You look under laser for hair loss. Everybody seems oh. to be spouting one. Yeah. So there's a huge variety of different lasers that are out there. Uh, many of them now are FDA cleared for hair regrowth, which means they've proven to the FDA that they are effective. But you want to look for the laser that has the most number of diodes. That's what's good. And we're talking laser diodes, not LEDs, not little light bulbs, not little Christmas lights. So we need uh, laser light. Those are, the, those are the, uh, the, the, the diodes that are the most effective in regrowing hair. Now, and the follicles can't be dead and gone. They have to be weak but not dead to get some regeneration and, and regrowth there from the laser. And that's true of just about any other therapy as well, you know, for topical medication or even the, the finasteride, the oral medication. You have to have a hair follicle there for it to work. Yeah. But uh, definitely the laser cap devices 
you want to get uh, a device that has about 224 diodes, and even now there's some coming out with 300 diodes. That's the, the latest and greatest ones um, that can really cover the entire scalp and deliver enough energy to get some good results. And you got to measure. So we it. talked a little bit about uh, topical devices. We talked about uh, oral medications, especially in men. Yep. Do you use oral medications in women too? Well, postmenopausally, we can use the hormone modulating treatments because there's no risk to a, a, a pregnant woman or, or developing male fetus, I should say, when we use uh, a medication postmenopause uh, like finasteride. But in order to determine if a woman should take finasteride, given that she's postmenopausal, we would typically want to do a genetic test first to determine if, if she is androgen sensitive. And uh, not all women are androgen sensitive. And so what this enables us to do is to determine who is most likely to respond to the finasteride and or androgen modulating treatments. And so we do genetic tests, and then if the test comes back androgen sensitive, then we would prescribe the finasteride in those postmenopausal women. And we've seen some very good results with that. Really good, actually. Yeah, that's very good. Okay, it's Alan, all we're about getting measuring. close to our time frame here right now. You know, you've really shared a lot with our with our to the interesting people out there. Tell me, can you summarize a little bit about once we talked about? Well, absolutely. I think probably the most important thing is that if you're a man or woman out there and you've got some hair loss going on and you don't like it, whether it's you're seeing shedding or changing the way that your hairline looks or the way that you're styling your hair because you're losing it, um, my advice is to get a medical evaluation by a board-certified hair restoration physician. So ABHRS is the American Board of Hair Restoration Surgery. It's also the international board. And there's only a very small number of physicians in the world that have achieved that board certification. So when you get that evaluation by that board-certified hair doctor, you're going to want to make sure that they do a complete diagnostic and medical history on you. You want to get the evaluations like the hair check measurements and the hair cam microscope uh, photos of the scalp and that those are recorded in your medical chart. Ask for a copy of those. And then get started on some effective treatments, whether it's an oral treatment primarily for men or topicals, which can be for men and women, a laser light device, physician-based or physician-prescribed laser, or we didn't chat too much about uh, PRP, the injectable type of treatment, but that's another great hair, hair regrowth treatment that can work for both men and women in the early stages. Um, and you've got to try to keep your existing hair because if you, if you don't keep what you have, then you're going to need some degree of transplantation to fill in those gaps. Yeah, so so again, the simple thing is the early is the better. So anybody that's listening out there that's having hair loss and is not considering getting something done, really the answer is now, is it not, Ellen? Sure, absolutely, Barry. They've got to start the treatment. The earlier they start the treatment, the better the results will be in the long run. Um, if you wait till too much hair follicle damage has occurred through male pattern or female pattern hair loss, then the, the, the treatments become more aggressive and more invasive as you go. Um, not to say they can't be done, and, and today's technology is uh, minimally invasive and comfortable process to restore your own living and growing hair. But in the early stage of the game, patients need to be aggressive, seek out therapy, seek out physicians who are well-trained and experienced in, in dealing with the medical management of hair loss. And honestly, unfortunately, um, you know, here in the United States, 
most dermatologists don't have time to do a hair loss consultation. And so that's why there's an, a complete new subspecialty, which is only about 15 to 20 years old, uh, board-certified hair restoration physicians. Uh, and, that's, and this is just the, you know, the group of us are the ones that exclusively dedicate our practices to the treatment of hair loss and hair regrowth for our patients. Well, that's important. Now, Alan, if anybody would mm-hmm. like to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do so? We, you know what's awesome is that we live in the day and age of electronic communication, and just by going to the website at baumannmedical.com, B-A-U-M-A-N medical.com, a patient can have a long-distance consultation and initiate this communication between themselves and myself um, through the Internet, and they can upload photos. Um, a phone call can be scheduled. We can do it through Skype or FaceTime, and it's almost as good as being there. Obviously, I can't do the measurements or the, the look with the microscope yet, but we're working on that. Um, but the initial evaluation can be done long distance through that website, and at least we can start to get a handle on what exactly is going on. And if there's a, uh, someone who's been certified by us, a hair coach who is local to them, we can refer them to a hair coach center and a hair coach person who can do the measurements uh, with the hair check and also do the hair cam evaluations with the microscope. So today, there's almost 150 certified hair coaches out there that we have trained, uh, many of them international, uh, all over the country in, in the United States and Canada and South America and Europe and Asia. And uh, these are people who are trained to help us and help me diagnose and treat your hair loss out there. So baumanmedical.com is the location that you want to go to, and you can click on Start Consultation, and you can do a long-distance one. Or if you happen to be visiting in South Florida or plan to, then you can have your evaluation completely in the office here at our facility, which is um, we've been in Boca for 20 years, but we have a new building, which is 11,000 square feet about a thousand square meters and uh, it's completely dedicated to the treatment of hair loss and hair transplant procedures. Well that's huge Alan and, and I got to thank you again for really spending your time and educating the people out there. Uh, you know this is what I love to do is is give some real information for some some of the people out there. Well Barry this has been great and uh, you know you've always such a, a gracious host and, uh, you know, I, I know we get so much feedback from your shows. People who have heard the show uh, from all across the world are downloading it on their podcast and saying, hey, Dr. B, I, you know, I heard you on, on, on Dr. Like's show, and, uh, you know, the information really helped me and, and got me started and going in the right direction. So, you know, Fantastic. It's, it's really well, thank a you great again, service Dr. Bowman. Uh, I want to wish you the best and to have a great day. Thanks so much, Barry. It was really a pleasure being on with you again. Thank you. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us today on Cosmetic Surgery Today. It's a beautiful day to explore your options, and we know you'll want to grab your free copy of Dr. Laika's book, Shaping a New Image. All you have to do is drop an email to Tammy at Laika.ca. That's T-A-M-I at Laika, L-Y-C-K-A dot C-A. Tammy at Laika dot C-A. And we'll get you a digital copy of this fantastic book, chock full of information. See you next week on Cosmetic Surgery Today.